Hello, and welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Forrest Hansen. Today, we're going to be closing the strength of motivation with maybe a slightly different episode than normal. I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Rick Hansen. Dad, how are you doing? Great, Forrest. So I wanted to talk to you today about motivation, broadly speaking, because being earnest, you're one of the more genuinely motivated people that I know. Hmm. Basically, ever since I can remember, you've woken up pretty early, you've worked for, you know, 10 to 12 hours pretty often in a normal day, and then you've gone to bed at a reasonable time, you haven't had a whole lot of vices, maybe one or two that I can think of. (laughs) And then you've basically gotten up the next day and sort of done it all over again. And you've sustained this for more or less 35 years with, of course, some breaks here or there, the occasional vacation, but you haven't really had a sustained period of falling off the wagon in any kind of motivational sense. And so I thought that it would be great to kind of do an episode that was more focused on the lens of your own experience and talking about some of the things that kind of helped you do that because you know, everyone's different, but we're all motivated by something. So what are the characteristics that you Mm -hmm. had going on internally that allowed you to kind of keep chugging in that sort of way? So how does that sound to you? It's a really interesting question. For one, I hardly notice it because it's just the water I swim in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the proverbial fish. What? What? And uh, also I squirm a little at anything in this that could seem, I don't know, vain or something. Guruizing in some way. Yeah, Yeah. so I have a squirmy about that. No, I totally understand that. And I think it's a reasonable response. And it's one that many people would have. Um, So to kind of clarify for one sentence, you know, this is not so much the kind of putting on a pedestaling. For sure. But there is a way in which you've had kind of a doggedness Mm -hmm. in your mentality that I think is really helpful for people to kind of learn about. One thing that really struck me I I don't think I was a naturally organized and diligent person. Like when Mm. I look back at how I did high school, uh, I was pretty casual about it. Mm -hmm. I I just sort of puttered here and there, and I didn't want to get embarrassed by failing anything. But otherwise, I just sort of did it. And in college, I remember putting things off to the last minute, being in desperate situations where I'd like a girlfriend at the time would help me write a paper the night before Mm -hmm. because I just hit a wall. And so I I wasn't that diligent in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. And I kind of have been looking back and wondering what happened for me. And and I think what happened for me was that toward the end of college, moving into sort of life after college, I had a light bulb moment where I realized, it seems so obvious in retrospect, that much of life is about helping yourself learn to want the things that are good for you that you don't naturally want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then the question becomes how to be skillful at motivating yourself to be productive over the course of a day while enjoying the journey. Mm -hmm. That just seems so obviously good to do. And so then I got really interested in, well, how do you actually motivate yourself to consistently, enjoyably have a high level of output most days? And so I started studying that, including looking at people who seem to do that naturally. And to be clear, I think there's normal variation temperamentally. We've talked about that. Some people have a lot of dopamine receptors, for example, and it's easier for them to keep on going. And I think I'm probably in that group. So uh, the challenges I had to overcome were not as great as I think, in all honesty, the challenges of many people. That said, one thing that I learned about myself was that it was really useful to keep paying attention to little things accomplished over the course of the day. And I know we've talked about this in the past in the podcast, but that's one of the most um, conspicuous things I do that I notice myself doing 
So when I file a piece of paper, I you know, file a piece of paper. I'm going to do an email. I go, okay, completed that email. Yes. And that yes is really about four seconds long, probably most of the time. Maybe it's often just two seconds. Like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, got it done. But that moment of, oh, got it done is just two seconds, but it really matters. Item after item after item. And it kind of resets. It's like, oh, okay. And sometimes with that is an internal attaboy, but very often it's just sort of a, okay, step taken, and then the next step, and then the next step. So I think that's one thing that's helped me keep going. So I think on the one hand, that seems very obvious almost, that we should look for things to feel motivated towards or for things to feel rewarded by. But was there something that happened, either an event or an experience, that pushed you in that direction more that caused you to think about taking that on as a consistent practice? It was more like I just started to realize um, toward the end of college, I think, and into young adulthood, that if I wanted to be successful in life in Mm -hmm. the ways I wanted to be, uh, in, in a way that also felt consistent with whatever the gifts I had inside me to be fully manifested, uh, not from massive ego-drivenness or um, super stressing on myself, but more like, hey, there are these gifts we're given, and it's on us to make the most of them. Whatever the sources are that hand us our gifts, our capabilities, our talents, uh, whatever those sources are, we've been given it, and so it would just feel sad to waste it. And I could watch myself kind of wasting my abilities and drifting and not being very productive. So it was more of a general sense, which I think many people do face in their 20s or maybe early 20s as they move into real adulthood. Wow, I need to change my course in some ways to really fulfill my potential. I mean, these are cliches, and yet there's something that really lands inside you in your your innermost being in which you realize, you know, I could mosey through life sort of in the way I am, and I, and I have enough ability to kind of get away with that, mm-hmm. if you will, to sort of phone it in each day. Mm-hmm. And on any given day, it doesn't make that much difference. And on some days, of course, it's important to take a break. But if you look at the increment, what I could see is that the delta, the increment at issue, was on the order of a few hours a day mm-hmm. of productive output, day after day after day. And it doesn't seem like much. And yet if you add Let's say that increment is two to three hours a day mm-hmm. of more productive output. Let's keep it simple and just say it's two hours a day. Well, hello, that's 10 hours a week. Mm-hmm. It would be as if suddenly you had someone working with you, which is to say you, quarter time. Think how much sure, more yeah. you could accomplish if you just added on mm-hmm. a quarter time person who is your clone. A quarter time clone mm-hmm. is really what we're talking about. Five days a week or maybe a little more than that, if you just can capture two more hours a day of productive output. So I, I just realized that that was huge, mm-hmm. and uh, and it really landed. It really landed because when you project out, and people really should project out, two hours, 10 hours a week, well, that's 500 hours a year. Mm. Like, let, let's be really clear. We're not talking about adding two hours a day to a 10-hour-a-day workday, mm-hmm. in which many people are. But if the real issue is someone being productive eight hours a day instead of six, mm-hmm. really productive, because a lot of people in their ordinary jobs are actually not very productive, and they know it. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot, how you've been either self-employed or yeah. a, a small business owner for yeah. really basically your Most. The entire kind of 
full on. As long as you've known me. Yeah, as long as I've known you. That's probably <laughs> since a better way to put met. it. Yeah, exactly. Since, since we ago. met 30 years ago, yes. You have been effectively self-employed or owning your own business. Yeah. And sustaining that effort is challenging. So yeah. what are some of the things outside of kind of finding a specific reward mm-hmm. to seek to that you've used to kind of sustain your energy through a day? Yeah. Because I think that for a lot of people, what you're mm-hmm. pointing to is that it's one thing to do the first two hours of productive work or the first three hours of productive work, and it's kind of another thing to do the fifth or sixth hour of it. Yeah. Well, let's take the other case, just like we're saying Mm -hmm. here, someone who's got a job, and they're on the job, and over the course of the day, they're they're working. Mm -hmm. So the the question on the table then isn't so much how to actually generate two, three, four, whatever more productive hours in your day— but really the issue is how not to be stressed or tired by your company job and, in fact, feel motivated from the inside out so that you don't have to push yourself to get through the day. There is a category of super skills. There are the skills that create other skills. Mm-hmm. And a second super skill, after noting micro accomplishments, micro steps, many times an hour, is to be able to find enjoyment in almost anything. Hmm. And I've really trained myself to do that. And I remember really a little moment uh, with your mom, and I was basically saying to her, hey, honey, I think it would be just really great if you had more of a natural interest in something or other. And she looked at me and said, well, what about you, Mr. Big Shot? Where's your natural interest in, let's say, shopping, something Mm -hmm. I have zero natural interest in? I was startled initially, and what came up in my mind was, well, what I want you to be interested in is much worthier than shopping. And then I realized what's worthy for one person is just different for another person. Oh, yeah, shopping. And I just took it on. I thought, okay, I'm going to learn how to have an incredible time wandering through the mall, yeah. just hanging out, looking in windows, waiting patiently, just looking for neat things. I'm going to learn to really enjoy shopping. And you could do that with anything. How do you learn to really enjoy brushing your teeth? or digging a ditch, or driving a car in traffic. How do you learn to enjoy that? And for me, that involves looking for beauty, looking for aesthetic pleasure, what I hear, what I see, uh, being amused by what's happening. Or another one that really I've learned, I do this routinely now, I make things into a little game. Like like how many emails can I get done in an hour? Mm -hmm. Or can I write this little email in a way that's amusing to me? Mm, Or mm -hmm. can I step back from someone who's a little aggravating and just kind of study them like, almost like an anthropologist would? Like, wow, how do you be that way? That's amazing. How's that working for you? (laughs) You know, but not in a snippy way, just like curiosity and delight. Well, I think that you're you're bringing back in a lot of the material that we spoke about in the previous episode, where yeah. you're talking about that idea of like finding entertainment, finding the fun, finding novelty to yeah. a certain extent. And that last mm-hmm. example you gave of just looking at a really challenging person and kind of being like, wait, what sort of made you this way? Yeah. You know, not trying to kind of play the psychologist, so to speak, but just in a very practical kind of like, I'm trying to figure out what my right action here is. And in order to do that, I got to kind of figure out where you're coming from. Yeah. One other thing I just thought about, is another big one, is to reduce friction. Hmm. This has been such a great teaching. Like people will ask me from time to time, like, how do you do all the travel and blah, blah. And again, not a brag, but it's like, I think it's a line from, of course, Star Trek, resistance is futile. And there's some way in which I think if we just 
don't resist what's going on. Mm. We get less stressed by it. So maybe you've got a whole bunch of tasks to do. It's not your favorite thing to do, to grind through a lot of filing or to have a difficult conversation with somebody. But if you resist it, it just makes it harder. It goes yeah. to the first dart, second dart distinction we've talked about. And I've tried to train myself to not fight with the demands of the moment, just to accept them mm-hmm. and uh, not resist them. There's a metaphor from Joseph Goldstein that life is like sliding down a rope. And if you grip it, your hands hurt. It creates friction between you and the world. So uh, I've tried to learn the super skill of surrender. Mm. Genuine surrender, not Mm -hmm. succumbing or acquiescing or appeasing, but truly just, okay, surrendering. And uh, I'll give you an example of that that really struck me one time. So there I was in some airport somewhere and the flights was delayed and I was like, oh, my flight delayed. And then I watched walk into the airport a, I think a Buddhist monk in scarlet robes. Hmm. Uh, No attendant. Very often people will travel with monks uh, to handle money for example, and things like that, which monks often will take a vow not to deal with. Clearly, he was uh, prepared to get on the airplane. And I watched him just sit down in a corner of this busy airport with announcements going on overhead and people talking and a lot of stuff going on. And you can just he just sort of closed his eyes, started relaxing, meditating. You could see his face was serene. And he was taking whatever lemons had been dealt him there and turning them into blissful lemonade. Mm -hmm. And it was a great teaching. It was you realize wherever you are, you can practice there. You can grow there. You can be at peace there. Why not? Why not enjoy it? So that was really useful. I'll tell you another thing that really has been helpful too. Like I tend to want to analyze things forever, Mm -hmm. as you might know. And, uh, I watched my friend Tom help me with a fence one time, and I was trying to stare at this fence, and we had to fix something, some boards, and I was going to plan out to every screw, and Tom just jumped right in. He mm-hmm. just started moving wood and banging things, and suddenly the fence was fixed in about eight minutes, and mm-hmm. I would have stood there, really, for 20 minutes thinking about it before doing the first thing. He just jumped in, and there really is something as well about that, where you just Take a breath and jump in. And through jumping in, you get it done. You feel good about it. Uh, You don't sweat about it forever and ever. And that's another lesson I've learned too. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a way where paralysis by analysis is a very real thing. And speaking personally, I've certainly found myself in a situation where I have a desire to do a thing, whether it's a new business project or something to change in my personal life or you know, a place that I want to go somewhere in the future, whatever it might be. You can take almost any example from real life and kind of apply this practice to it. And because, like you, I'm a pretty analytical person, I start thinking about, well, how am I going to do that? Or, okay, here are all the reasons I shouldn't do that. Or, okay, here are all the things that could go wrong if I did do that. Or, on the alternate side of it, really kind of fantasizing about it, but not really taking direct action in pursuit of that goal. And that's kind of a really key element that you're speaking to here, where having motivation just kind of like shotgunned out into the universe is not necessarily that useful. Most of it is in pursuit of a goal of some kind. But in the act of having that goal, we can also kind of defer ourselves from the motivational action that it takes to reach that, right? Because we get caught up 
and yeah. thinking about like the idealized version of that fence yeah. rather than just fixing the darn fence that's in front of us. And yeah. that's definitely been like a, a very real thing in my life for sure. What has helped you to mm. strike? And just uh, do the thing? Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking there of this classic distinction literally in brain research on cats mm -hmm. where if you put an electrode in one part of the brainstem of a cat, you'll trigger a rage reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's enraged at something. But if you move the electron, electrode rather, just a little farther away, uh, you will trigger not rage, but predatory pursuit. Mm. And it's useful to appreciate the distinction. Mm -hmm. The cat is not angry at the mouse when it chases it. It just wants to get that mouse. Mm -hmm. And so that's the feeling of what, the feeling of strike. Yeah, absolutely. How do, you, how do you grow that in yourself? I mean, I think that what you're kind of speaking to, and I, I'm sorry if this is a, a digression to a certain extent, but looking back on it, there's a way in which I kind of sort of wish that we had named this strength discipline rather than motivation. Huh, and here's yeah. the distinction That's that I'm making. That's a great idea for us. Yeah, so I'm just tossing that out there. And here's why. Because motivation to me is uh, you go online and you read a motivational phrase yeah. or you get this momentary burst of that almost, not the rage response per se, yeah. but kind of something like that. Discipline where you're just pushed in that moment to do the thing by some external impetus. And yeah. you can sustain that kind of motivation for a half an hour, an hour, maybe a day or two. If you're, if you're really lucky, you can really get into it and do it for a month maybe. Yeah. But that's very, very tough to sustain, that mm. kind of momentary burst. And what you see all the time is you see people who kind of constantly look for their next momentary burst of motivation. Yeah. You know, and they have to always read the motivational thing online before they start their work day or whatever yeah. it is. What you really want to actually cultivate is less that and more discipline, which is about that sustained, dogged pursuit yeah. of a goal in a very workmanlike fashion, day after day, over time. And that's yep. really what kind of does it. Usually. Yep. Yeah. And what with, I... With some ecstatic breakthroughs along the oh, way. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, both of those elements are completely useful. They're, they're both good things. I'm not trying to put down the, the motivational response in favor of a discipline response, but I do think it's an important distinction to draw because a lot of the time we get motivation fatigue. And yeah. you've talked about this in the past, the idea of willpower fatigue, yeah. where if you have to constantly make yourself do something, yeah. you burn out on it. Yeah. So at a certain point, it becomes less about making yourself be motivated mm. and more about having a consistent practice. So not to opine for a second, but I think that's been the real difference with you, where you don't really have motivational bursts. You're just kind of disciplined. You have a schedule and you have a practice and you do the thing kind of day after day. And so I guess I'm wondering, was there was there a period in your life where you felt like you were more sort of motivated rather than disciplined? Did you transition from one of these into the other? Well, first, this is really interesting and useful to reflect on. And in some ways, I feel like it's the difference between being carried along Mm. toward a good purpose, mm -hmm. distinct from swimming upstream toward a good purpose. Yeah. Motivation can be understood as, how can I swim upstream toward a good purpose? 
I know, for example, I should stop eating all those cookies, but I'm just going to make my, but I don't want to. So I'm just going to make myself stop eating the cookies. That's like motivation. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the discipline and the root of it, as you may know, is the word disciple, where you're Mm. basically given over to something such as a monastic life or a practice of some kind. And then more broadly, um, I feel it myself in my body. And I think of it as being carried along by a warm, wonderful river. Hmm. Just moving you in the direction you want to go. And sir, you got to guide yourself a little bit and stay in the main center of the current, but it's the river that's sweeping you along of what you really long for and what you really care about. And and you stop resisting all these little things like, oh, I won't like it if I have to do that thing. Or, oh, I'm, uh, I sure wish I didn't have to just do this other task. Instead of resisting all that, you just let the river carry you forward mm-hmm. and you kind of get out of the way of this purpose moving through you. Like that. And in that, I think a really key element is this business of zeal mm-hmm. or striking the goal where you just feel committed to it. And it does go back to that wonderful uh, line, I think, from Goethe that commitment brings a certain magic to it. And there are similar quotations like that. And there is something true about that where you let yourself really want something. And you let it really land that it's on me, and that's a that's a that's a real moment. I I had a real moment like that. For example, when uh, I was taking you and Laurel when you were quite young to Joshua Tree National Monument one time, and it was right around the time that I was struggling with writing my very very first book, Mother Nurture. I didn't know much about writing books, and I had to pull together this first chapter, which is often the hardest chapter to write. And I needed a sample chapter, otherwise we were going to be dead in the water. We were not going to make a proposal. This book was not going to get done. I was not going to have a book. And as an interesting little detail, my dad never finished the book he was going to be writing on population ecology. Hmm. Maybe there are some practical reasons. Uh, He's certainly a productive person, but I noticed the ways in which that just never manifested. And I was a little haunted by that myself, and a little bit as kind of an homage to him, and also for my own reasons, I wanted to manifest this book about how to take good care of mothers. So there I was, we were in Joshua Tree. I had to do some work on it while we were kind of on vacation there in the motel. And I had a moment where I had been wanting my co-authors to make things happen. They weren't making things happen. I wanted this editor we were working with to solve my problem for me. She wasn't solving the problem for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted the agent to do it. I wanted the publisher to do it. Nobody sure. was going to do it. Everyone and, but yourself. Yeah. yeah. And there was this moment where, and I didn't want to write it. You know, I was hitting a lot of blocks. I didn't know how to do it. I was really frustrated. I was afraid of failing. I just wanted to swerve away from it. And I had, for me, a kind of really sacred moment where I realized, just factually, no one was going to rescue me. No one was going to write this book but me. If I didn't buckle up, buckle down, and make it happen and stay on target, this was not going to happen. And I think for a lot of people, which is sort of a contrast to the soft tone of this conversation so far, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, the issue for them on their around ambition or career, why can't I be motivated? They don't let themselves really feel it and want it, mm. what they want. They don't have that moment where they realize, wow, 
I really want this. I'm going to drive toward it. Nothing's going to get between me and my target. Hmm. I may fail, but it's not going to be for lack of effort and focus and to feel that. And it really helps, as we've talked before, to draw on the motor memory in your body Hmm. of what that feels like in other simpler settings where you just say, I'm going to do 10 reps, 10 repetitions at this weight. And what I'm going for are the last two reps because they're the ones that really make the most difference after I fatigue my muscles. And so just get into it. I'm going to finish the 10th rep. What's that feel like? Or would you know when you're going to really come through for another person? Nothing's going to get between you and the result for your kid in the hospital. You're just motivated. And know what that feels like. And then draw on that feeling in your body to let yourself really want this other result. A moment for me, I was talking with Gil Fronstel, who's a Buddhist teacher and very knowledgeable person engaged in the world. And I was complaining to him about how slow it was going in my own personal meditative practice. And he said, well, Rick, it's a little bit like people who want to qualify for the Olympics. And you just realize if you want to qualify for the Olympics, you have to set your priorities. And certain things move forward in your life and certain other things you realize have to move to the side or you move on from them. If that's really, really, really what your priority is. Mm -hmm. There's something very real about that. And it says, you know, if you want that promotion or you want that romantic relationship or you want to remodel your bedroom or you want to start that business or you just want to or you want to save enough money for retirement it's all about the gradual accumulation of effort over time which might necessarily include disengaging from certain other things that suck your time every day so if you were to look at your own life what are your own reflections about the implementation in your own life of one or more things i've talked about here Yeah, I think that for me, I was writing something down recently. And one of the things that I wrote down was this idea of kind of nothing comes from nothing, which is similar to your point of the cavalry's not coming. Yeah. You know, it's not going to happen unless you create it yourself. Then related to that, as you were saying, the idea that for something to come to the forefront, something else needs to fall to the side. Mm. And there are only so many hours in a day. Yeah. And you're going to spend, I mean, hopefully at least six of them sleeping, hopefully closer to eight. You're going to spend about, you know, five or six of them engaged in some combination of resting and necessary pursuits. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to spend, you know, the rest of them either in work or in leisure. Yeah. And that's the way your day's going to look. That's kind of clarifying hmm. on a certain level, I think, for me. To understand that there are X hours in a day and I have to allocate them intelligently. Otherwise, I'm just kind of not going to get anywhere. Um, And building a schedule has been a huge difference maker for me. Because for me, the schedule can carry me along. If I have to wake up in the morning and then every day decide what I'm going to do that day, I'm going to get nothing done. So for me, um, I found it really helpful to kind of build that river around me Mm. to stretch your metaphor to the breaking Mm -hmm. point and kind of... (laughs) Let it help me flow on through. And the way that I do that is by kind of designing a very consistent schedule. That's great. It's funny to swing full circle there, maybe as we wrap up. A lot of what we've explored is how to like without wanting and Mm -hmm. wanting in the narrow sense of craving or stressful drivenness. All that said, I'm going to say clearly here too, I think part of 
what helps people stay genuinely motivated is to let yourself really want the result. And when you really want the result, whatever is that result you want, you realize, wow, I need to do X, Y, and Z to really get it. Mm -hmm. And I need to do X, Y, and Z every day for 100 days, and then I'll have it. But I've got to do X, Y, and Z every day for 100 days, Mm -hmm. and then I'll get it. And I think a lot of people are kind of tepid in their passions, or they're afraid of letting themselves really, really want something, Mm -hmm. partly because they don't know how to really want it and have commitment and passion for it while still being in their heart at peace with whatever happens. Yeah. But that business of letting yourself name it, see it, feel it, want it, and make room in yourself for a kind of intensity of pursuit in which, around which, you're really relaxed. You can be really relaxed in the river of your purpose while having a absolute clarity in the course of your being, in the core of your being, about where that river is headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great note to close this episode on. So today we completed the strength of motivation by having kind of a more free-ranging conversation about our individual motivational pursuits over time. Uh, You started by mentioning that you weren't really inherently a more motivated kid growing up. Uh, You then mentioned there being kind of a flipping point Mm -hmm. in your life where you got to college and you went, hey, if I want to fulfill my purpose, I need those extra two hours, those extra two hours of, of dogged, motivated pursuit in a given day adding up to about 500 hours over the course of a year. And those 500 hours were, for you, where all the difference was. You then shared some things that have really worked for you over time to sustain your motivation. Many of them were similar to the topics that we discussed in our previous episode. The idea of finding pleasure, even in seemingly unpleasurable circumstances, and also internalizing real opportunities for reward. Those little goals met along the way, that kind of let you know that you're staying on that motivated path. We then had some reflections on the difference between temporary forms of motivation, that idea of kind of reading a fortune cookie and really getting ginned up about the thing that you got to do next, and discipline, that sustained, dogged pursuit of your goals over time. That's all for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you would leave a rating of the podcast on the platform of your choice and subscribe to it as well. That lets you know when we come out with a new episode, and it also helps other people find it, which we really appreciate. We hope you'll join us again next week when we will begin a whole new strength, intimacy, which is one of the two key strengths, along with courage, that help us function effectively inside of our interpersonal relationships. Personally, I'm really looking forward to it. Until then, thanks for listening.